Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It is another week, and we are so happy to be here with you today. Hello, and welcome. We are going to talk about how we can incorporate ourselves into our creative projects and how that is actually going to be the thing that makes our ideas seem fresh and new. But before we do that, let's get into our creative weeks. So this past week, I've done a few things, but um, the most recent thing is I'm helping my client with his book description. And as you and I know, those things are not easy to write. Terrible. (laughs) It's ridiculous. So, you know, it's that little bit that goes on the back of your book that goes in uh, when you you put it up on Amazon or Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, wherever. Um, It's those few little paragraphs that let readers know what they're in for and tries to hook them and get them to to pick up the book and purchase it and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? For only a few sentences, those puppies are hard. (laughs) So it's a lot of fun to uh, help someone else kind of think through that and take some of their ideas and um, tweak them just a little bit and maybe bring them some ideas that they hadn't considered. Um, So that's kind of fun. Takes a lot of creativity to kind of, you know, Bring together what you know you're supposed to have in it, all those, you know, have this and this and this, but do it in a creative way that's going to make people want to keep reading. So it's a lot easier to do somebody else's book description than to actually do your own. I found that with when we were working on your book description, I was like, oh, well, you should say X, Y, and Z, and that's fabulous, you know? (laughs) Um, But when it comes to like my own book description, it was just like pulling eye teeth out with piano wire it was terrible (laughs) so um we are still in kind of survival mode here in smithville so there's not a ton of creativity happening right now still taking the writing class which is great i think next week is the last official week of the class so and i do i am like super inspired to implement a lot of the things that we were learning in the class to see if they work for me. Cross my cross my fingers, they do. <laughs> but we'll chat about that later. This week, I um, one of the things that stuck out for me creatively was hanging out in the yard with my son, and we were taking pictures of the beautiful magnolia blooms that are in our yard. And actually, the one that we were taking pictures of has now passed on. There are more on the tree. But we got some of those really good opening shots for two days in a row. Like we went, we went in the late afternoon on the first day and it was just, it was still, uh, it looked more like a tulip, but a very large tulip. You know, the petals of a tulip are still kind of standing straight and it looks like a deep, maybe chalice kind of thing. And then the next morning in the, you know, the nice morning light, 
it had opened up. So it was like a shallow candy bowl. <laughs> and magnolia blooms are huge. If, you, if it's a Mississippi magnolia tree, they're huge. So they, they're like three of my hands. Like that's how big the bloom was. So it was really large. And it was just, it was low hanging. So we were able to have... For him, it was eye level, and for me, I was able to like dip down inside and get a good look at it. But I took some some pictures, and it took me a long time to get just the right shots. But I feel really good about them, and they're um, really up close, so you see a lot of little details. There was there was some before pictures before a bee decided to come in and like mess everything up. <laughs> But he also made it beautiful too. But I, so I took the pictures before. So everything's all of this pristine, like cream white, like antique white kind of color. And it's all perfect. And then the bee comes in and I have that on video too. Clay thought that was really awesome because he got to see it over and again. Clay is actually telling me the process, like what's happening with the bee and how the pollen's getting stuck to his legs and all of this stuff and how he's cross-pollinating because he already had pollen on him whenever he came to the magnolia. I was like, you are so smart. <laughs> so we're watching that. And then when the bee leaves, we take more pictures of it. So it was just this really cool thing that we got to share together. And also I got some really great shots out of that. So if you want to see them, they are on Instagram and it is at May Smith writes. Yeah. And we'll link to that in the show notes. And, you know, as you were talking about that, and I know before we had talked about this bee and you had shared with me a little bit about this earlier, but as you're talking about it now and I'm thinking about our topic for tonight, I feel like how perfect is this? Because this little bee came into this flower and he put his own little prints onto it and left his mark on this flower and made it different in a totally bee-like beauty after mm -hmm. he left. So I feel like that was a really good segue right into our topic. That is actually perfect. And also, like if, you, if, if I were to pick a picture of before with this pristine beautiful magnolia bloom or after with some of the um, pistons and stamens and stuff like just kind of scattered around if I were to pick my favorite I would have picked the latter with with all of the messiness of nature like impressing itself upon the, the magnolia so I liked that version better than I liked this generic magnolia bloom so it is, it's, it is such a, we didn't plan that guys. We that just happened. <laughs> just happened. So we have heard multiple times as creators and also just as human beings, this quotation that there is nothing new under the sun. And I know that as a writer, uh, we're very protective so a lot of times about our ideas of, of a story, the idea of the story that we are writing or one that we want to write that we're going to not be able to write for another 10 years, but that's ours and it's mine and I'm not going to talk about it because, <laughs> <laughs> because somebody else might quote unquote steal it. But also in any kind of medium that you're working in, there's going to be a time, if not most of your career is this time where you have you're working with something built upon somebody else's foundation. So inspiration, for example, is a, a word that we like to use in, as artists because we're inspired 
by the way that one person does something. But we take that inspiration and that that stereotype or that foundation or that idea, and uh, we try to make it our own. So you'll see a lot of paintings of buildings, and even sometimes they're the same buildings. So painting of the White House or, <laughs> you know, uh, landscape paintings of the same places of grape vineyards or, you know, anything like that. And even though somebody has already done it before, many, many artists afterwards come back to do it again. We were talking about photography earlier with the Magnolia. And I did photography for quite a while, did some wedding photography for quite a while. And it's not like these people aren't going to hire you because they, they want the standard stuff. They're hiring you because they want your perspective on things. And they appreciate your perspective because you show them a gallery of pictures that you've already taken. Of course, it's your best work. And they see a uh, something that is just uniquely you whenever they're looking at your gallery and you put it together because it's the things that spark you, the things that you think are your best work. And you most likely think that that's your best work because of that you-ness that you put into that. Let's just take the Eiffel Tower, for example. There are a million photographers who have taken a picture of the Eiffel Tower, but we're not scared to do it again. We're not scared even though there's nothing new under the sun. And we're not scared even though someone has already taken that picture and done it really well. And we're not scared because we might not do it well. We're going to try anyway, right? Because we're freaking in France and we're in front of the Eiffel Tower, right? <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to take that so, shot. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's supposed to happen. So um, if you're a photographer... What you're going to do is look at the Eiffel Tower and you're going to get at the base of it and you're, you're going to look completely up. And whenever you take your picture, it's going to feel overwhelming and it's, you're going to feel like the Eiffel Tower is the giant that it is. Some people might choose to get a helicopter ride and to ride above the Eiffel Tower and take a picture from down low. And it looks like this miniature. That's in, uh, something that you would put on your shelf. Um, somebody might decide that they really love one of the bushes and the, or the flowers that are blooming by the Eiffel Tower. And so they'll focus on the flower with the Eiffel Tower in the back. The point is, is that it's all pictures of Eiffel Towers. Your idea is the same. Take a picture of the Eiffel Tower. But because of who you are, because of your experiences, because of the way that you create, your picture is going to be different than the other millions of pictures out there. I love what you said about that and everything, you know, because regardless of if it's this magnificent landmark that we all know about that's so famous, like the Eiffel Tower, or even if it's a picture of your dog or, you know, a you talked about landscapes a few minutes ago. And the first thing that pops to my mind is either uh, a mountain range or uh, a pasture with horses and cows. And yes, all of those pictures have been taken a million times. But like you said, not by you. And you're going to come at it from a different angle. You're going to come at it from a different perspective than all of the others. So. Definitely. Each one of us brings something new to even the most basic and mundane of things. 
Yes. And of course, photography is a metaphor um, for any kind of creative outlet. This could happen in painting. It could happen in music. I mean, most music is what, like five chords or something? So, And we have millions of songs out there that we love and cherish as an audience for those songs. So this is something that's universal in the creative atmosphere. What I'd like to do now is talk a little bit about finding those things that are you and how we can have basically like a word bank. Um, if you're thinking about like being back in school and you would have to fill in the blanks, right? And they would give you a word bank at the top of the worksheet. What we need is a you word bank in order to fill in those moments where you're not sure how you're going to make this different or you're scared to even start or you're blocked on how this idea should be. So, uh, yeah, I like that little title. The you just word came up with that. Just came up with that on the spot there. So this is actually just going to be a lot of list making and listening to your subconscious. So there's a couple of people who I have I've garnered this information from, and we're going to tailor it to us and our audience. But um, Holly Lyle does this in her How to Think Sideways class, and Lindsay Ager does this in her 80-20 class. What Holly Lyle does is she has basically a, a bulletin board that has six questions on it. And every once in a while, she goes back to these questions and she does a new, it's, it's, a, it's basically a bubble map, like a brainstorm thing. The question's in the center of the paper, she circles it, and then she draws lines off of it. And it, I think she gives herself five minutes. And everything that pops into her mind with that incomplete statement. So it'll be like, I love dot, dot, dot. I hate dot, dot, dot. I wish dot, dot, dot. That sort of thing. So each paper would have a different one. And sometimes, sometimes her subconscious gives her more than a piece of paper. So she'll just add on to it, tape those papers together, and she keeps that list. And as she uses things in her stories, Holly Lyle's a writer, by the way. <laughs> Let me just say that out loud. Uh, I will also we'll put her link to her classes in the show notes as well. So when she uses one of the things on her list, she'll cross it out. Now, you can use things in multiple ways. There are some things that you can love, but you're also scared of them. So that could be on two different lists. Maybe you use it in the fear list. You can cross it out on the fear list. Maybe the next story that you use, it'll be a loving way that you use that item. But either way, you just let your brain basically like word vomit onto this piece of paper. You never, ever tell yourself no. You're like, oh. Man, red staircases, that's stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> like, never tell yourself no. Uh, because it's your, it's your very sensitive part of yourself that's, t that's telling you these things. Um, so we want to make sure that you are always telling it yes. Yes, right brain. That's going on the list. I don't know why, but it's going on the list. <laughs> you know, so... So that's one thing, um, and I would suggest doing both of these things. So um, so that's the one thing. The second thing is to just make a happy list. And I was talking to Clay about this, my oldest son. We were doing dishes together, which is wonderful because he wants to do dishes with me. Can I just tell you? 
how that warms my heart. <laughs> Big moment for a mama. <laughs> anyway, so we're doing dishes. We're finishing up. And he was like, thanks for the talk, mom. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. So, uh, but I was telling him that I was taking this class and that in a very simplified way, because it's actually a little bit um, more detailed and that sort of thing. But I was telling them that I was making a happy list about things that made me happy or things that made me curious or awestruck, things like that. And I told him that I made the, I started making the list last night. And as I was thinking about all of these things that make me feel these positive emotions, I got really energetic and happy. And it flowed into today. So as we started doing our, our school work and now started doing responsibilities for work and tried to clean the kitchen and things like that, you know, I still had like this residual grateful happiness. And, and I think it was because I took a moment out of the dire situation that is life right now. And I just thought about things that made me happy. So I told him, I was like, maybe we need to make a happy list for you too. So when you feel bad, you can go to your happy list and be like, I love Star Wars. You know, <laughs> like Star Wars makes me happy. So that's another way that you can find out what to infuse into a project. You can make you a happy list. And if you are fascinated by submarines and you are stuck in your project maybe you're a painter and you're stuck in your project maybe you hide a submarine in your painting you can paint over it later but wouldn't it be cool to have the little submarine in there and would that not start reminding you of all of the the cool things that you love, the things that excite you, the things that make you you. And you can start tapping back into that, regain your confidence and your, your um, enjoyment for your project and continue on. That's how you can find out those things about you. Make a list, make multiple lists, ask yourself questions, ask, ask yourself hard questions too. What do you believe about something? What kind of theme, what kind of thing do you want people to feel whenever they look at it? What kind of artist do you want to be? And knowing those things will definitely help your projects move from one place to another and resonate with other people as well. Take it out of that generic idea bubble and turn it into something that is precious in you. So, you know, you talked about making these lists and don't censor yourself. So as you're making these lists, you know, like you said, don't stop, don't say no, always say yes. So you're kind of just getting these things out. Well, then after you've done that, you take it that step further, asking yourself the tough questions. And one of those questions, too, might be to explore the why. OK, mm -hmm. so maybe you notice, all right, I've written down um, the color red or I've written down lighthouses or I've written down whatever whatever the case may be, then go through and explore your why. Okay, well, why did I write that? 
And this is something, and, and we were going to give a couple of examples from our writing. And so this kind of falls right into that. So I realized that lighthouses kind of kept popping up in some different things that I had written. And at first I thought that that was the weirdest thing because I'm not a huge fan of the water, <laughs> much to my fisherman husband's chagrin, but <laughs> I'm not a fan. Uh, I almost drowned once when I was a teenager. <clears throat> and so that would explain why I'm not a big fan of water. Uh, so why in the world would I like lighthouses? And then someone else actually kind of helped me understand that. Um, and I can't remember who it was. I don't think it was you. If it was you, go ahead and say it was. But I think it was someone I don't else. Think so. Okay. I think it was someone else who opened up my eyes to how um, lighthouses are that beacon. Lighthouses are mm -hmm. the, the safe point, the uh, saving thing on the point going out into the water that saves the fishermen. You know, it projects that light. Um, and that's another big thing. And I think that this is probably not unique to me, the whole light versus dark. Obviously, that's not unique to me. But a lighthouse is a huge um, beacon of that in my mind. Like it's one of the first things that is going to come to my mind when I think about light versus dark. You know, I kind of explored that why. I explored how, you know, the sea is is terrifying to me, right? But a lighthouse is that beacon. And in one of my short stories, I have the sea and I have a lighthouse. And those feature prominently in that story. So um, understanding my why made so much more sense and enabled me to kind of um, maybe go a little deeper uh, with my characters, with their emotions, with things like that. Um, and so another thing is the color red. It's my favorite color. It took me, you know, a very long time to figure out what my favorite color was. When I was a little kid, that was an easy answer. You know, I always had an answer for people when they asked me my favorite color. But when I became an adult, I couldn't answer that for a very long time. And when I was first putting together my author website and I was working with my web designer, um, he kept asking me, okay, well, so what kind of colors? And I, I just wasn't really sure. And then finally I was like, you know what? Red. And then when we started putting those red elements in there, I started realizing, you know what? This is my color. And I've noticed that in everything that I've written, um, I have those little pops of red in there in different places. It's a color of passion. It's a color of um, fire and excitement. And it's... It's just a color that means a lot to me. And so I feel like when I put that into scenes and um, I put that in with certain characters, it gives them that depth as well. So those are a couple of my examples and exploring that why helped me fully understand those things that mm -hmm. I've then put into my, my stories. Yeah, and I think too that you can even take that a step further with your, you have your why. So now you know that your lighthouse is a beacon of hope and, you know, a, a salvation for people who are lost at sea or in trouble with the water, that sort of thing. Um, so you can kind of manipulate that a little bit too. So if you have, if you want to portray your character having hope and, uh, and, and that salvation, you could have a completely intact lighthouse that's working, that's functional, that has the light going around you can see it in the fog and the mist and, you know, that, that kind of lighthouse. But what if you want your character to feel hopeless 
for a moment. And maybe in the background uh, of the setting that you have that scene in, you have a lighthouse that is not functional, that has vines all over it, that the glass and the light, the, you know, the light at the top is broken. And it can be a representation of the emotions of your character at that moment. Because you know your why about the lighthouse, you're able to take that piece of you and display it in different ways in your stories. So you've got red and it's this fire and passion. You know now, because you know the emotion behind that piece of you, you know that if you take red away or give the opposite of red, that that's going to mean that the passion is gone, that the fire has died. And that's, that gives you a place to go whenever you want to branch out and figure out what other emotions are and what could represent those other emotions. Whenever you get to a place where you're stuck or you're bored, there's so many, I mean, there's, there have been times where I have been bored of my story and that's not good because nobody's going to want to read something that I don't even really want to write. So, <laughs> so if you're stuck or you're bored or you're scared and that can be with writing, it could be with any creative outlet, you could go to your list and you could be like, oh my goodness, red spiral staircases and salt water creep me out. I want to make a creepy piece, so we're putting them in. <laughs> Those are the things that are going to draw your audience to your artwork and to your creative projects. Because they're going to see you. They're going to see that you took this idea. Everybody, I mean, every story, every story has something that we've probably read before. But it's those twists and those turns and those um, specific little nuggets that you can just tell is the author in there. That is what make us super fans of stories. And that's what we ultimately want as someone to be super fans of our creative endeavors. And we also want to love them. You know, we're going to be sharing these stories hopefully for decades. Let's love them. Let's make them completely us. So I think that it's probably time for a challenge. Absolutely. So QWERTY challenge time. We want you to make your own lists. No matter what your creative endeavor is, these lists are going to be beneficial to you. If you don't know your own mind, if even if you think that you do know your own mind, I have a feeling that you're going to be surprised at some of the stuff that comes out of the end of that pen. <laughs> so, That's true. so here are six, if, if you're doing the Holly Lyle version, six statements that you can finish. And again, each one needs its own piece of paper. You can do it in a brain bubble or you can just do a list if you want to. But uh, here are the six statements that you need to complete. The first one is, I love, dot, dot, dot. Then let your brain tell you what it loves. Um, I hate, dot, dot, dot. I wish. I hope. I fear. And I dread. I think that these are the original... <laughs> statements from Holly Lyle, but I'm not 100% sure because it's been years since I've taken that course. So uh, 
if it's not, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if it, if, you know, but also, even if it's not, you could ask yourself anything. If you don't like these statements that I've just given you, make up your own. See what, see what you, what kind of emotions that you can connect to that your subconscious would be like, yeah, I'll, I can chat about this for a minute, you know? And then the sub- simplistic view of Lindsay Ager's 80-20 exercise is just to make a list of things that make you happy. Another thing, too, is that you want to keep that list handy. So even if you want to keep it on your computer, um, have a notebook with you, have your phone notes with you, just some way that you'll be able to quickly jot something down if you see something that makes you happy. So water towers. You know, if you're driving and you can, you see the water tower and you're like, you know what? My subconscious likes that. Um, you need to have a way to record that because maybe by the time you get home with all the groceries and you have to put them away and all of the things, the responsibilities that we have to do, we might forget that we really enjoy water towers. What do you think, Joy? I love it. I think that these are all great things, and I think that it will help spark our creativity, especially as we've talked about before. Sometimes you can't always just sit down when you are feeling inspired. Maybe your time comes when you're not necessarily feeling super inspired, (laughs) but that's the time Mm -hmm. you've got. So spend a few minutes looking over your list, looking over your bubbles, thinking about your whys, and you might be surprised at how it kind of gets you going. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we've got a great week ahead of us, guys. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And we hope that you uh, have a good week and that you make something. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? May, you just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think Cordy Writing Life rocks ice for real, oh my word. please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting cordywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you.